Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, this last week of August 2017, what has happened in the world of wrestling? Well, we're coming off of the heels of SummerSlam. Did you watch any of SummerSlam? Did you see anything about it? What did... What was your thought process of SummerSlam? The only match I watched really from start to finish was that AJ Styles match that we watched together. Rusev and Baron Corbin are just uh, buried on this roster. I mean, I don't, they don't have any plans for these guys. I mean, they're going with Brock and Braun Strowman at the next pay-per-view, which I think we all knew was going to happen. So I, that tells me that they're still on track to do Roman and... Brock at WrestleMania. Yeah. I wasn't surprised that Jinder Mahal retained the belt against Nakamura, but I was surprised that they didn't make a big deal out of this was his first singles loss on the main roster, and they said nothing about it. You know, it wasn't a big deal. It was just like any other... They treated it like just any other loss, but this was most transitions from NXT to the main roster. They just... They get lost... They don't know what to do with these guys once they get to the main roster, and he's one of them that... Yeah. He was a big superstar on NXT, and then when he got to the main roster, they just treated him like anybody else. I mean, and several people were left off the card entirely. I mean, Sami Zayn can't can't get a match even on SmackDown. He didn't even have a match. So no, he's he's fallen way down, and uh, I was very disheartened by the way SummerSlam went. I didn't really nothing really jumped off the page no, at me. Nothing was like, oh wow, this was awesome. Like, oh wow, this was a great match, or this was a standout. It just it was it to me it was a B pay per view, and for that to be one of your main four, that's that's a bad thing to be saying. Yeah, even the main event, it's gotten good reviews, but. A lot of the wrestlers would spend a lot of time not engaging with the other wrestlers in that four-way. It wasn't a a must-watch, you know. If they want their big four to be, like, they're trying to elevate, especially Survivor Series, to the level of WrestleMania and SummerSlam. And four nights back-to-back in a city, I'm not sure that that's always going to be the greatest idea. I think fans get burnt out. I mean, towards that last night, the crowd is going to, they've seen everything, you know, that's... They're tired. They're ready to go home. They've just put in four days at an event. So We lost a uh, true American hero in uh, Jerry Lewis this past week, who I did some research, and did you know he had a wrestling career? He did. Now, who did he wrestle? He wrestled the wrestling chimpanzee. <laughs> And him and Andre the Giant were really close friends, and he did a lot of things with Andre as it pertains to wrestling in the uh, the 60s and 70s. So, I was not aware that Jerry Lewis was so big into pro wrestling as he was. So, but. both Jerry Lee Lewis and Jerry Lewis both enjoyed pro wrestling. Yes. What are the odds of that? I that mean, is crazy. But it did so, seem, uh, Jerry Lewis did seem like the kind of guy that would like pro wrestling. I don't know what that means, but he yeah. just... It seemed like he would have interacted with them at some time, you know. I'm sure wrestlers appeared on that telethon at some point in the oh yeah forty years that I'm he did. I'm pretty sure Hogan did and all that, especially during the eighties and so. Oh yeah. I I want to go ahead and talk about Glow here on Netflix. I did start to finish watch the entire season. 
Is there a possibility of a season two? Yeah, it's already been renewed for season two. Has it now? Yes, okay. It Have has. you seen the first season all the way through? Yes, I finished it uh, about a week and a half ago. Okay, so I finished it this this uh, this past week. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. I did uh, too. I mean, it was. Uh, I really thought Awesome Kong did a really great job. Yes. in the in the show, and the wrestlers that they the actual wrestlers that they did incorporate like uh, Tyrus and uh, John Morrison and. Carlito, uh, yeah, Carlito, yeah. They they did an awesome job. I mean, they fit right in. I, yeah. I mean, they were asked to say very minimal lines or whatever, but no, I enjoyed it a lot. I really, Mark Maron's character, I really liked him a lot. Uh, yeah, you had uh, Alex Riley in it as well. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. You I had uh, he had a big cameo in it. So what did he do? He ended up uh, when they went to the the live wrestling show. And to learn. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, okay. And they went backstage and all that. That was the one that uh, Debbie yes. hooked up with. Yes. Okay, yeah. I, I knew he was probably. I mean, he looks like a real wrestler. I couldn't. I. It's been a long time since I've seen Alex Riley, so I didn't. Yeah. I couldn't put him with this this character or whatever. But yeah. I really enjoyed the scenes uh, between Debbie and the, I forget the the one's name that plays the Russian, but. When they're training in the backyard, of, oh yeah, of the one girl's house with the with Tyrus and and Carlito, her, and they're learning yeah. to do a second rope cross or whatever, yeah, like the cross body, and then yeah, that that's hilarious. That was really cool. Yeah, uh, it was very. It, it's believe it or not, I went into it with some not really high expectations, but it it delivered more than what I could have ever hoped for. Yeah, and I really enjoy the episodes are only like 35 45 minutes long instead of an hour or 2 hours or whatever like so yeah. this it's an easy watch. You can breeze right through. Well, it. you can bench those 6 episodes in 3 hours and you're like, "Holy crap. Oh, that was I'm halfway done with the season already." And so, yeah, I'll just stick with it. Yeah. For, even if you're not a wrestling fan, I think it's very it's it's done well showing the 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 what it was like in the 80s, showing what it's like in the uh it's just everything is fit perfectly. Even the motel they're staying at's you know an '80s style motel. It's it's just well, and to have that many female characters and uh, strong female characters in the show, and not you know a male dominated cast or whatever, you know, yeah. like because you Ma- have really- Mark Maron is basically the only man that's in every episode, basically, yeah. and that's it. Yeah, the director. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it quite a bit. And Monica did too, and she doesn't. I mean, she's not a huge wrestling fan, but she she liked it. So. Well, to impress her, that's very difficult. Uh, yes, yes. So it got a lot of uh, good attention, you know. And this WWE loves mainstream media attention. So if one of these Glow Girls ends up doing some sort of WrestleMania thing, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, I would love to see like the Glow Group against, you know. The, the she wolf pro- needs the, to definitely b- go up against the lone wolf, Baron yeah, Corbin. Yeah, there you go. yeah. But uh, but the glow girls against like the women's revolution or something that would now be. You put them up against the worst wrestlers on the roster, but like Lana, be, yeah, Tamina, Nia Jax. But that would be awesome though for a Survivor Series elimination match. That would be cool to get Karma or Awesome Kong back to do just. She doesn't even have to do much physical stuff. No. I mean. I was just very impressed with her because I didn't watch TNA when she was in it, and she had such a brief run in the WWE. I didn't; she didn't speak hardly at all, and yeah. so I just her range that she showed, like 
man, they could have really, even if she couldn't wrestle or whatever, she could have been a great manager or a GM for one of these brands. Like, yeah. Forget Vicky Guerrero. I mean, Karma, Awesome Kong, running SmackDown. Those guys wouldn't mess around. No, and she she's a great mouthpiece. She's a great wrestler. Yeah, man, I'm all for seeing her back. Uh, all right, now to bigger and better things. The M versus M, Mayweather versus McGregor last night. Yeah, I think it exceeded expectations uh, for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, because... McGregor made Mayweather actually do some work, and he brought the fight to this guy. And a lot of people were saying that uh, McGregor probably won the first three to four rounds of the of the fight. The first couple being Mayweather just figuring out what he's dealing with and then yeah. getting on track. But still, even then, it was a way more entertaining fight than the Pacquiao fight that that was one of the reasons I didn't want to watch it, and also the $100 cost. McGregor has nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, this guy, like I said, he's got 50 pro fights. Like yeah. he's He was going up against a guy that's in the discussion as one of the greatest boxers of all time. So yeah. he has nothing to be ashamed about, making it to the 10th round. I mean, for a guy that had never fought you know, professionally in a boxing ring before, that's just nuts really if you think about it even even for a great mma star like conor mcgregor and someone that's as talented as him but i mean one of the things that cost him the match was something that we talked about last week was that in the octagon he's only gone 25 minutes one time i knew it i said as soon as it goes past three four maybe five rounds he's gonna gas out yeah, and he just and he did. And he did. And he gassed out and he just became a punching bag for for Mayweather at that point in time. Yeah, and by the time the ref stopped the fight, he hadn't thrown a punch in like a minute. Yeah. So, I think it delivered. Uh rumors are Mayweather made it known that he's retiring. That was it. He's done. Do you think we might see McGregor Mayweather too? Uh, no, no, I don't think that Mayweather would give him a second fight because now he's seen that this guy's actually, he would have even longer to train for it. I mean, this fight came together relatively quickly. I mean, it was only agreed upon two or three months ago. Yeah. So Mayweather, so McGregor didn't even have a full you know, year to train specifically for this. I mean, he was fighting in the octagon in December, so yeah, Mayweather's not going to give him that chance again. Even though he made a lot, both of them are going to make a lot of money off this thing. This thing was a lot bigger than I didn't think it would outdo the Pacquiao fight, but just from what all the news coverage it's getting and stuff, and yeah. people that like my dad and my stepmom ordered this fight, and they're not even fight fans. Really, they don't watch any UFC stuff. They don't watch boxing unless it's sh- like they're just flipping channels and it's on. They spent $100 on this thing, and so for them, for that kind of casual viewer to spend the $100, like, I think this might beat Pacquiao and Mayweather's pay-per-view record breaker. And yeah. So both of these guys are going to make a lot of money, but I don't think, I think Mayweather's goal is to get to, his goal is to get to 50 wins, and really this was technically one of the easiest paths to get to 50 wins. Yeah. That breaks the Rocky... Uh, Marciano's 49 and 0. That's really all he wanted. So yeah. he got it. He hadn't fought in two years. He's, you know, going to make so much money off this. I mean, his nickname is Money. So I think he's going to be just fine financially. Yeah. Uh, he won't have to, he really doesn't have to do anything the rest of his life if he doesn't want to. Yeah. And he's got this whole, I mean, his production company is the one that put on the undercard and they're the ones that promoted 
the the card and you know so he's going to get into sports marketing and being agents for you know he's a whole brand so yeah. i don't a, he's a lot better than the Titus brand yeah and i mean if you have won if you've set this amazing record for a pro boxer you know how much do you want to push it until you finally get caught before age finally catches up to you so i just say this is this is fine yeah 50 and 0, that's in, that's insane, though. Yeah, with no draws either. No no, no. ties. I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, as much as I don't like Floyd Mayweather, I think he's just a scumbag, but he's you can't deny this man's talent. No, you can't. He talks a lot of shit, but he can back it up, which is the same as McGregor. McGregor talks a lot of shit, but he can back it up. And so my whole thing of it is, is if you could talk shit and back it up, then you, you pretty much can say whatever you want to say. I think it delivered. I think the the crowd loved it. I think everybody was it reached everybody's expectations and then some. Um we went how like you said, I think the the fight went how we said it was going to go. And uh I think how most people who know much about the sport of boxing or cardio, pr- pretty much everybody was thinking it was going to be just this way. He was going to get to that 25 minute mark and he Hit a wall, get, yeah, yeah. He was going to hit a wall, and so, but, uh, but yeah, man. Our next news: Big Cass injured his knee on Raw. Yeah, timing, terrible timing. Speaking of hitting the wall, this this guy's coming off. Oh, a terrible match at SummerSlam. A terrible man. match at SummerSlam, but one that I think helped him elevate into what could possibly be a single superstar status. Well, I mean, yeah, it seems like when they want their big men to get over, the first guy they give them is Big Show. You go in there and you beat Big Show, and then you're on your way. You're but off the, to the race. But the way the whole thing was done with the shark cage and with uh, Enzo, it was um, that was a good way to bury it. It's done. It's finished. Yeah, but they weren't finished because on Raw, they put Enzo in a match with this guy again. Yeah. Like, I guess to just go out there and squash him, but he ended up uh, throwing a big boot over the ropes and crashing to the ground and landing awkwardly on his knee. And tore his ACL. And uh, what's what's funny about it is technically, I mean, Enzo won this feud. I mean, because he was announced the winner because Big Cass couldn't continue. Yeah. So Enzo won the feud and then was immediately demoted down to 205 Live. So really? both of these guys have gone, their careers are going in different directions as uh, Enzo, yes, was uh, demoted to 205 Live. Now, he was presented as a top guy on 205 Live because... Believe it or not, he called out Neville, you know, basically like a guy that's 10 times the wrestler he is. So he was put on the same level as Neville. I hate that that rhymes, but it does. And, but yeah, he was kicked off of the main roster. I mean, I think they're wasting a great heel mouthpiece in Enzo. Yeah. Or a great anything, great babyface mouthpiece in Enzo by shipping him to the cruiserweight show. But, uh, he was already in the doghouse, and I guess uh, the cast injury, even though he had nothing to do with it, I'm sure they were that didn't help. And off to 205 Live you go, never to be seen again. So there you go. Uh, 
And Big Cass, he's going to miss WrestleMania probably. Uh, yeah. Last year when Finn Balor had his shoulder surgery right after SummerSlam, he was ready to go by WrestleMania, but it was so close that they just held him off anyway because it was that close, and why why risk it? And so I think that's what they're going to do with Big Cass. And now I do think this allows them to rethink his character. That's the one good thing because I would like to see Big Cass. I know that it's cliche now that the heel always wears the suit or whatever, but like make him... Make him into something different. I mean, yeah, he can't be the certified. He, he's really nothing. I mean, he was really didn't have a character other than he's just seven feet tall. Yeah. So this gives them some time to create something for him. Uh, coming off an injury, it would be easy to go the babyface route too, though, and have the comeback story. So either way, uh, this I think this is actually good for him because he's not getting in the main event until after WrestleMania next year anyway. Well, see, and here's what needs to happen. They need to, the the night, the Monday Night Raw, the night after WrestleMania, the champion is out there, you know, he's hurt, whatever. Out of nowhere, Big Cash shows back up and just beats the living shit out of him. And says, hey, guess what? I'm back. Yeah, I think he and, could. And I'm back for, for I'm, not, I'm not worried about that little pit squeak. I'm back for, because I want to, I want to hold this title. And then you can build a feud on that. That is the only way I feel like you could possibly make his time away work in its favor. Yeah, and he could always come. I mean, I would like him to come back as Colin Cassidy and not even Colin Big Cass. And yeah. Colin Cassidy just sounds like a guy you don't want to hang out with anyway. So I, that, I just, that's just my personal preference. I also thought Sting should wrestle as Steve Borden for a while too. So. They don't always take my advice, but yeah, unfortunate for him. Uh, but also on Raw, they they ship Cena over, so now he's on the Raw brand. He's only advertised through this upcoming pay per view, so it looks like he's going to be away for a while again. Uh, but they're already getting to this Roman Reigns Cena match. This is a WrestleMania, you know, yeah, kind of match that they could have worked to, maybe not for this for this year, but the year after definitely. And they're going to put it on a B show, not even in the main event slot money patrick they just they don't know how to cash in their chips when it's time to cash in no also on raw by the way during their encounter when the miz came out the miz cut in an amazing promo on those two guys you know i'm sorry actually did i interrupt a moment wow it's roman reigns and john cena in the same ring at the same time Barclays is blowing the roof off the place! How many moments do you two get? Honestly! You know, in life... Thank you! Thank you! I'll take it! I'll take it, Barclays! Because, you know, in life... You're always told that if you work hard, if you chip away, if you plug away, if you do your job, then your moment will come, and I am sick of waiting for my moment while two undeserving people like you two get moments week after week after week. Yeah. 
I'm gonna take my moment right now while I ruin your two. The general manager of Monday Night Raw, Kurt Angle, seems to think that Raw needs an addition. Wait, wait, wait. Raw needs an addition while the Intercontinental Champion rides the pine at SummerSlam. I'm curious, Barclays, does Raw need John Cena? You have 18,000 people chanting no. Well, I, I'm a man of the people. I'll, I'll just show myself up. I wasn't done talking to you. See, this is it. That face, that smirk right there. You turning my moments into a joke while him saying that this is your yard. Well, this is my show, week in and week out. I'm the one working here. Not you and not you. And then there's you. You think you're left out of this? You don't know what to do. You don't know whether to cheer or boo John Cena. You don't know whether to cheer or boo Roman Reigns. I'm curious, who do you think that affects? You think that affects John Cena? Think that affects Roman Reigns? No, it affects me, the only champion in this ring. The person who deserves to be in the main event each and every night of Monday Night Raw, SummerSlam, or WrestleMania. And I am sick, I am sick of not getting the respect I deserve. Your shirt says, respect, earn it. I've earned it for 12 damn years. Where is my moment? And where will the Miz be? Probably working the pre-show, you know? Whatever. I The Miz needs to have another world title run. Oh, I think, yeah, it's, it's well past time. This guy's been... He's, on the microphone alone. I he's, mean, he's delivered time and time again when it was SmackDown. He's delivered time and time again now on Raw. It is time to take him away from that mid-card Intercontinental title and throw him back into the main event. Absolutely. But we got to get we got to get Brock out of there. We got to get the big guys out of there. Brock's got to go period cuz Brock's killing the company. You can't have a world champion and the world champion not be on TV half the time well now with uh john jones failed drug test i do think the ufc is going to make brock a big contract offer and i think he's going to go after wrestlemania because once he loses to roman reigns that's really that's they're cashing in their brock lesnar chip yeah that's it like that that was your purpose yeah is to lose to our top guy and then he's done i mean what else is there for him to really do He's already had the Cena match. He's already had the Triple H match. He's already done the Undertaker feud. There's nothing left for this guy. Yeah. So I do think after WrestleMania, I think he's gone. So you'll get your wish. I, I cannot wait. 
But that also means Paul Heyman might be gone, and that'll be a terrible thing. No, I got a feeling Heyman's going to turn on him. I just don't. I don't. I think Heyman, if he sticks around, he'll just have a new client without turning on Brock because they always want to leave that door open. We want to talk a little bit of sad news. Um, I do not know of this man. I do not follow the world of professional bodybuilding, but uh, Dana Brooks's boyfriend, who is a professional bodybuilder, uh, passed away this past week. Yeah, and he lived in Chattanooga for a while. Yes, he did. And he trained, uh, I think, in Cleveland at a bodybuilding gym in Cleveland, Tennessee. He uh, choked on some food, apparently. He choked on his dinner and uh, and passed away. Uh, it's crazy. Like twenty six or twenty seven years old. I don't. I don't know his name. Do you know his name? I couldn't find his name. Dallas McCarver. Okay. He uh, apparently he had a health scare at the Arnold Classic a couple of years ago when he passed and he passed out on uh, on stage. Yeah, and I mean, if he really did choke on food, I mean, who knows? It could have been just a freak accident. But I mean, bodybuilding in general takes an enormous toll on your body. I mean, yeah. You see a lot of guys that had that kind of physique in pro wrestling, and you know, years later, when they, when as they age, you, you see that fade away, and it's not pretty. No, and it's it just puts a lot of stress on your body. I mean, your body, it's not made to do carry that kind of muscle mass. Yeah, anybody you want to ask will tell you, uh, especially Lex Luger. You need to make sure you you take care of your body. Uh, but I worry about John Cena. You know. Cena did the bodybuilding thing. Cena had that body. That's what got him into wrestling. Cena still somewhat has that body. Or I, I even worry about someone like The Rock. I mean, oh, when dude. he showed up for his WrestleMania matches, this guy... This he guy, had like a 10-pack. And it this was, guy was like... I mean, he tore his ab muscles in those matches. And like, It's crazy to think that pro wrestlers that wrestle today that have seen... The, the other stories about guys with those kinds of physiques, you know, and what happens to them, yeah. that they continue to do it. Yeah. But there's a lot of pressure on you. I mean, especially for someone like a John Cena or someone like The Rock that wants to go into Hollywood and do action films. Well, what's your ideal action star? Arnold. So you yeah. want to look like Arnold. Yeah. So, but I mean, even he, like, isn't looking so great these days. Now, I realize the man's in his 70s, but... But yeah, I don't I don't follow the world of bodybuilding that off that much. Um, and Dana Brooke, I mean, she's not like she's not as muscular as Dallas McCarver was, but she's into bodybuilding and stuff. So this might be a wake up call for her too. I mean, it's just uh, you should, and like I say, it might have been just a freak accident or or whatever. You know, China is a touchy subject with a lot of fans, and so I'm going to put it like this: China. What got her started was bodybuilding, being a female bodybuilder. I think her injuries from bodybuilding, putting that strain and stress on her body, carried over into what was the demise of her, her life. Yeah, it led to substance abuse, you know. And and so, you know, bodybuilding has its, you know, its ups, but it has, there's a lot of downs. Matt Morgan... The blueprint. The blueprint. Matt Morgan. He is. Uh, he's going to run for mayor. So uh, him and Glenn Jacobs. Are he's he's running. He's jumping. Thing. Yeah, he's jumping in the political arena. Mayor of what town? Do you know? I do not know what town. I just heard he was running for mayor. Uh, I I don't know where Matt is from. He wants to be a commissioner. Commissioner, not mayor. Commissioner. Okay. 
Commissioner for the city of Longwood. I assume this is Longwood, Florida. Yeah, Longwood, Florida. So Longwood, Florida. Let's look at the population. He wants to be the commissioner of a city that has 14,000 people. So basically a WWE arena that he's wrestled in. He wants to be the mayor of that kind of population. All right. It's over on the east coast of eastern side of Florida. It looks like it's sort of near Orlando in that general region. Their biggest employer is South Seminole Hospital, and their second biggest employer is UPS. So there you go. There's your Longwood, Florida stats. There you go. He's going to bring more stuff to Longwood. I got a feeling he's going to win. So uh, Let's see. What's the median age? I bet that's probably going to be what, what does him in, though. The median age is 38, so maybe, yeah. I think he could maybe do it. He could probably pull it out. He'll just have to uh, lay out a good blueprint. Well, I mean, let's talk about that. You know, you have Kane. Kane running for Rhino mayor. Rhino tried. He lost. Rhino tried. He lost. Matt Morgan's trying. You're going to try? Uh, I don't think I'm going to try anytime soon, but we shall see. I'll probably have to delete a lot of these podcasts if I do that. But... No. No. Yeah. Uh, they they wrestlers want to get political. I don't. Well, I, I mean, you know, when you have a Hall of Famer that is the president of the United true. States. They've seen what doors it can open. That's true. When you're a pro wrestling Hall of Famer turned president of the United States. Potentially The Rock could be running for that office here in a few years. See? I mean, yeah. I didn't I didn't realize pro wrestling was the next step to the White House. I, I didn't, didn't know, either. I didn't it, either. But it was. Vince McMahon had his birthday this uh, this past week, so we would like to wish a very happy birthday to the chairman of WWE, the owner, operator, CEO, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, who has turned... I'm going to say he's 72. do believe yeah, he's, he's 72. 72, yeah. For all the bad things that he's done, he is the godfather of, you know, pro wrestling as we know it, so... Yes. He revolutionized the industry by taking it over. I mean, he killed the territories, basically. Was it for the better or for the worse? I don't think, yeah, the the territories, with cable television, the, the territories were, those days were numbered. He also had the benefit of being in New York City and having yeah. that market. But he made the effort. He took the initiative to go first, basically, and, and do it and... Throw the rules out the window. And so I think that it was going to happen, like we've said before. I mean, even if Time Warner and WCW had ended up winning the war between these two companies, I still think WCW would have gone out of business and then we just wouldn't have had wrestling in a... We wouldn't have wrestling on a prominent level. Yeah. And so... We can thank Vince for that. There would be no WWE Network to watch old wrestling shows for this podcast without him. So, it's true. And he's also a you know he preser- he buys out tape libraries. He's also preserving this history and trying to round up all this history. I mean, for better or worse, because he can rewrite the history as he sees fit. But it is nice to know that someone out there is archiving all this that there's a that there's a bunker you know that can survive a bomb blast filled with all this pro wrestling stuff it's crazy to think about that this someone took that initiative yeah so i i am glad that 
because he does really have a love for the business. So yeah, he does uh, putting smiles on their faces. That's what it's all about. I I hate that slogan. I hate that slogan. Yeah, but that's that's Vince. I hate that slogan. Well, he also coined the term sports entertainment, so he did some bad things. I, yeah, for the company and well for the business, but he's the man. There's no one. There will never be another one like him. There, there's not. And uh, and Vince is he is a one of a kind. Uh, he's a national treasure. <laughs> as I learned this past weekend, uh, billionaires are very unique individuals, such as uh, our our Atlanta native billionaire Ted had a nice lunch yesterday at his uh, his restaurant. And uh, hey, man, it's uh, it's a unique Ted's Montana Grill. Yes, yeah. Say it's a. Was he there? or Did he bring? He you was out? not there. No, no. Oh well, you must have been very offended that he, didn't I, it, come he out was to your not table. there. However, we had cardboard straws for eco friendly. Wow. We have a, uh, a powdered soap. That's for eco friendly. However, the bathrooms are marble and gold. So, if you're going out, you're going out. Well, in those style. are you know found in nature, so you yeah. can you can, those are elements, yeah. so or whatever. Marble's not; it's so, a stone. Yeah, I, I made the trip to Atlanta to eat in uh, to eat at his his restaurant, and because uh, I had heard so many things about it, I was like, I just want to try it out. And uh, and he was not there, but uh, I will still try to catch him sometime. We might even have Ted Turner on here. And talk about wrestling. See, I don't think... See, I think that's always one thing that's... I don't think Ted cared about WCW that much or even realized he still owned the company when he did or <laughs> that Time Warner sold it or what happened with the contracts right. or what happened with the... end. Like, we'll never know because I don't think he knew. It was... That episode I did with Brenton, Brenton talked about, like... It was like an old an old CD, like that. Yeah. That someone was like, "Hey, I found your CD and I sold it." And Ted was just like, "Oh, okay, that's fine." Yeah. I didn't realize I still had that, but go ahead. Yeah. That's fine. So, uh, I don't know. I think it would be it would be nice to hear on his his side of the story, and uh, yeah, I mean, but I think Bischoff is as close as we'll get to. Right. Yeah. Back to uh, back to the news. Loki, he asks for his release from Global Force Wrestling. He didn't want to pay his ten percent either, and he is granted. Well, that's really sad because he was the man just showed came back, back up yeah. in a hitman outfit in his suit, wrestling in a suit and gloves. He looked really cool. Loki's got an awesome voice, cuts awesome promos. He does, and he's talented as hell. He's yeah. a great wrestler. But uh, yeah. Didn't want to take less money, I'm sure. And when he was in WWE for that brief second when he won NXT, when it was still a contest show. Yeah. Caval, you know, they dropped the ball on... They had him job to Dolph Ziggler, his first match on pay-per-view. And then he was like, I'll just get my release. I'll just go. Yeah. This isn't going to work. So he's always done things his way. Um, but that's unfortunate for us because, I mean... He's so talented, and they just—they never can keep him around. Never he, uh, can find a place for him. And last but certainly not least, a uh, an update. Uh, Ric Flair is getting better. 
he's still not out of the woods yet. He is still having some uh, some health issues. It is going to be a very, very long road, but the 16-time world heavyweight champion is doing better. So uh, we still keep wishing and, and praying and hoping that uh, he makes full recovery. Well, before we move on to one of Ric Flair's finest moments, one of his finest matches, I would say, in the Chi-Town Rumble, I did want to add two other news stories very quickly. Of course, Bobby Roode and Shelton Benjamin showing up on SmackDown. So they have promoted Bobby Roode to the main roster, and they have re-signed Shelton Benjamin and immediately paired him with Clark Gable, or Chad Gable, not Clark Gable. That would be an actor from the 20s or something but chad gable is now paired up with shelton benjamin they just swapped out jason jordan for shelton benjamin it was like the same oh it's charlie hoss all over again yeah it's very very weird and yeah it's the world's race tag team all over again but but it was nice to see bobby Roode on the the main roster on smackdown who really need a top heel glorious it is things are glorious now and finally the streak is sort of over. Asuka relinquished her NXT women's title due to injury and is now coming to the main roster when she heals up. And so now there will be, I guess, a bidding war between Raw and SmackDown for her services. Uh, she'll be ready to go around Survivor Series, so we'll see what happens with that. But it's kind of unfortunate that her streak ended this way instead yeah. of... I mean, she didn't have to lose to move up, but she could have at least vacated it without being injured. It'll be interesting to see how they play that into her character when they bring her. Will they even mention that she has this streak, that she's undefeated? Will that even play a part? Or will it just be like, oh, who are you? What do you do here? And rumors are that very soon there is going to be another superstar shakeup. We might actually do it by draft lottery. We might actually go back to doing the draft. So uh, that might be a way of bringing her back in, too. And maybe a possible client for Paul Heyman when Brock Lesnar leaves the company. So back to Ric Flair. I picked the Chi-Town Rumble from 1989. This is Flair and Steamboat number one. It is number one. From the UIC Pavilion on the west side in Chicago, Illinois, which opened in 1982, only a 9,500-seat venue. So a nice, intimate venue here to see. Was I think one of... I think it is one of Ric Flair's finest matches, without a doubt. I mean, this oh, is yeah. just an incredible match. Now, this card overall, I'm not going to say was just incredible, especially early on in the card. We had to get through a lot of... Wade through a lot of garbage, as we usually do. It's February 20th, 1989, in front of 8,000 people at the, UI, at the UIC Pavilion. An alleged 8,000 people. It looked much less crowded than that. Magnum TA and Jim Ross are oh, going to be Magnum. our commentary team. They let him bring his uh, hover around in there, I guess. He had his mullet going. Yeah. Oh, beautiful mullet. He had this. That, he did, man. This man should be in the Hall of Fame for that mullet alone. <laughs> is he in the WWE Hall of Fame? He is not. Wow. I, I wish and hope and pray that the time will come he gets that opportunity. So. Magnum and Jim Ross run down the card for us. A music highlight video shows us all the stars of the NWA that'll be on the card. Bob Cottle will do all the work backstage for us. He's with Michael Hayes, who just hypes the card again. Not even his own match, really. No. 
and you'll see why. Fans, we're here with Michael P.S. Hayes just moments before a very important match in, in your career, Mike. The big, rough, tough, mean Russian assassin. But you've walked a bad street before. Can you feel it, Bob? Can you feel it? Everybody out there right now, if you don't feel it, then you ain't got no feeling at all. Here we are, the setting, live. Noise at the UIC Pavilion. Got 10,000 fans out there screaming, sound like a million. And the reason why is Shad Town Rumble where a lot of careers might take a major, major stumble. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I feel like Pete Rose out here in the lead match of an all-star game with this all-star card. You got four major titles that could change hands tonight. Do you realize that? Four titles. The number one contender title, the US title. You got the world television title, the world tag team title, and then the thing with the fever pitch, the biggie. Rick Flair and Rick Steamboat. But you know, I got my work cut out for me. This ain't no cakewalk whatsoever. So now, as you feel it, and as the lights go down, and you hear the music coming up, that means it's time for P.S. to do his stuff. So Bob, it's time when the music gets grinding. You know, so P.S. gotta be right on time. So this is the way it is. Shotgun Rumble, 89. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Fans is on the way, is way. Let's go to the ring now. Michael PSAs. <laughs> and just says, it's showtime. He'll be facing Russian assassin number one, who is a masked wrestler named David Sheldon, who also played the Black Scorpion at house shows. So So when Flair didn't want to work house shows, the Black Scorpion, he... I think three people played uh, the Black Scorpion. Really? Yeah, three people overall played the Black Scorpion. Maybe more. But yeah, I think you you might be on to something. Even even when it was suggested that it might be Flair, I guess you just said. But this guy did not look any. His body was nothing like Ric Flair's. No, I mean, nothing. This guy would not fool you for a second. I'm glad we've rethought how to do opening matches on pay per view cards. They're supposed to get you hyped. You know, yeah. supposed to get things going, get things moving. This put a drag on it, and I, yes. I hate to say that because I I like Michael. I. I I love Michael to death, but looking kind of lost without his Freebird friends here. This was, whew, this was rough. Hayes' strategy was just to keep the Russian assassin in arm bars and headlocks. I yeah, mean, just keep the Russian assassin down, wear him down. The Russian sickle, which is a leaping shoulder tackle, only gets a two count on Michael P.S. Hayes, who hits a high cross, which gets a one count. Paul Jones nails Hayes with a cheap shot. Paul Jones, the manager of Russian Assassin, number one. Nails Michael Hayes with a cheap shot, but Hayes gets a boot on the ropes. The Russian counters a bulldog by shoving Hayes off. Hayes reverses a vertical suplex into one of his own. Then he DDTs the Russian and picks up the win. I skipped over a lot because this match took 15.48. They even announced the time as if that was something to be proud of. That was... This was a rough... Disaster. Rough. Rough first match. This is a jobber match. Jobber and, match needs to be five minutes. And Michael would hit him and then get on the second rope and pose. Yeah. Jump off, hit him, get right back on the second rope and pose. Russian assassin number one. Yeah. His punches were so bad. This was a very, very rough match to watch. Yeah, this uh, should have been cut. It could have given 15 more minutes to you know Steamboat and Flair, but instead we got this. So, nearly 16 minutes. Yeah. 
nothing to say really about this was Russian the- assassin number one. <laughs> Russian assassin number one. His outfit kind of reminded me of Nacho Libre, by the way. It did a big like out of shape guy with a mask on. That's you know not a luchador. He's not doing any high flying things. He's just a fat guy with a mask. Yep. And not even a talented fat guy in a mask like Vader. Just a fat guy in a mask. Bob Cottle is with the Steamboat family, of course. You know, Ricky Steamboat. He's a family man. He is. He's not going to let his wife and kid, you know, stay home and starve. He has to provide for them and bring them to the arena. The UIC Pavilion. That's probably the only dinner they had was hot dogs. Yeah, they had to eat the concession stand. They're lost without him. They are. Steamboat gives a nervous face promo about how he's a family man and he's going for the gold. As we're here, we're Rick and the Dragon, Steamboat, and family, Rick. You know something, Bob, the moment of truth has finally come in just a few short moments, and I've been counting those minutes as each day goes by. The moment of truth is going to be put upon me. I know that I've been doing a lot of talking lately about the family unit and how strong it is. Well, I'm basing all my strength and all my endeavors upon my family. Win, lose, or draw tonight, I know at least that I can go back to the locker room with my held up high. And I've heard some comments that the Nature Boy Ric Flair has been making saying that he is the one and only champion now. I've got to tip my hat to the man that he's been a champion for a long time and he's beaten a lot of good wrestlers. But I think the time has come. Ric Flair, regardless of what kind of record that you're going for, I'm not going for any records. I'm not no O.J. Simpson going after Jim Brown. I'm not an Olympian going for a gold medal. But that World Heavyweight Championship around your waist, the gold, sure does represent a whole lot. My little boy and myself, my wife, we've said our prayers, and we're ready for you, without a doubt. Goosebumps all over us. Family's going to bring it back together. The unit is here to stay. All you people that are working hard from 8 to 5, if we win it tonight, you can look upon us as the champions. As he's worked hard, he's trained hard, now he's ready. And as he says, the moment of truth is close at hand. Now let's go back to the ring. This man did not cut a very good promo. A great in-ring wrestler. Not for a man getting ready to go for the world title. <laughs> no. And even the ma- the promo he gives after the match isn't quite inspiring either. But it's possibly to what happens to him backstage. We'll talk about it later. The Stinger is already in the ring to face Butch Reed as yes. this network version just cuts every entrance. Like, people are just magically... If they don't have the music, they just went ahead and cut it, pretty much. Like... Yeah. Like, Michael P.S. Hayes came out to, uh, you know, Bad Street, Street, because they have that. But, like, Sting and Butch Reed, they're just in the ring. Yeah. Your referee, none other than Theodore Teddy Long. Holla holla. The Stinger looks a lot like the Ultimate Warrior here. He does. And he's he's just about as good of a wrestler as the Ultimate Warrior at this point in his career. <laughs> he needs a lot of work. This is, well, keep in mind though, he hasn't even been in the business a full year yet. No, three years. Three years, you're right. Yes. But sporadic three years, I guess. He hasn't been on his own for a full year on, as a singles competitor. So An atomic drop to Reed gets him reeling. Sting leapfrogs Butch Reed and reverses a hip toss into an arm drag and drop kicks Reed right out of the ring. Hiro Matsuda is in Reed's corner. He trained Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, and Lex Luger, among many other wrestlers. So, Hiro Matsuda. Very yeah. uh, important to the history of pro wrestling and the wrestlers that he trained. Well, and he was a, he was a bad man. He was a really tough, 
hard nose kind of guy. He looked like it. Uh, he looked like somebody that you would not want to mess with. Well, I mean, it's it's been well noted. If you went and asked him to train you, he got you in the ring, and he picked a body part, and he broke it. And then, Wonderful. What a nice thing to do. And then he waited to see if you were going to come back after it healed up. And if you did, then he 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 took it as a, a sign of respect, and he trained you. That's what he did with Hogan. He broke Hogan's leg right there first day. Hogan goes, I'm here to train. Okay, get in the ring. Let's see what you got. Wasn't in there five minutes. Broke Hogan's leg. Hogan said he showed back up with it bandaged up and everything else and said, it'll heal. Let's keep going. So The big leg. It was important that he broke that leg. It gave him all the All the extra power, yeah. yeah. Sting, to get out of a headlock, bites on Reed's wrist. What a not-face thing to do, Sting. <laughs> Go back to the school. Sting keeps Reed tied up in an arm bar for ages. Reed hits Sting with a double axe handle for a two-count. Mr. Matsuda chokes Sting on the ropes behind Teddy's back. He got to turn around, Teddy. Teddy catches him, but allows the match to continue, despite finally catching him in the act. Sting fades from a sleeper from Reed, but then fires up only to get taken back down. The camera picks Butch Reed, telling Sting everything that he's going to need to do in this match and while he's in this headlock that goes on for long hours, long it felt time. like. Yeah. Sting fires up as JR's mic starts going in and out for a second. Sting tries a Vader bomb on the second rope in the corner, but Reed gets his knees up. Reed dumps himself out of the ring after missing a clothesline. Sting suplexes him back into the ring. Reed hits a big neck breaker, but Sting kicks out at two. Reed puts Sting into one of the worst-looking chin locks I've ever seen. One of a John Cena-style chin lock where <laughs> you just sling your le- your arms over the neck and don't even yeah. make it look... you know. Don't, why bother with realism? Just throw your hands over somebody. Sting fires up. And Reed misses some clotheslines, so Sting hits one with one of his own. Big leaping elbow to Reed, and Reed throws Sting out of the ring. Sting tries a sunset flip, but Reed counters into a cover with the ropes, which Teddy catches him using the ropes as leverage. So Sting rolls up Reed and gets the win. And then Reed and Sting continue to brawl, so nothing was settled here. No. And we need to see more of this as a very lackluster match from the Stinger. I got yeah, I was kind of disappointed in the, uh, the showing for Butch Reed as well. Yeah, and they were, I mean, JR was going into mega cell mode trying to get you invested in Sting and how cool Sting is. Like, he was not wrestling like he was cool or the next big thing or anything. He was wrestling like he didn't know how to wrestle, which is probably pretty accurate. So uh, we're off to a bad start here at the Chi-Town Rumble, but hopefully things will be picking up. As we go backstage with Paul E. Dangerously, who's with Jack Victory and Randy Rose. Uh, they call it the original Midnight Express. Beg your pardon? And we're here with Paul E. Dangerously ravaging Randy. And... Wait a minute, that's Jack Victory. <laughs> yeah, that's what's, right. what's I'm doing? throwing your game plan just a little bit off, right? I'm throwing your game plan off too, ain't I, Cornette, huh? You see, Jimmy Cornette, you're a very smart man, and you knew how to win this match. You knew that the original Midnight Express of Ravishing Randy, Loverboy Dennis, and Paulie Dangerously, of the three of us, you knew Dennis the best. Because you spent five years with Dennis Condry, and you knew to get to Paulie Dangerously, you had to go through Loverboy Dennis. So I told Dennis to stay in Aspen, Colorado on vacation a little while, and I brought in a secret weapon, Jack Victory. A man you know nothing about. A man, beautiful Bobby, knows nothing about. A man, sweet Stan Lane, knows nothing about because you see Jim Cornette. When you go in for the match of your life with your career on the line, you can't win if you're not prepared for the opponent. 
Jack Victory. You see, my man, there's a big disease going on in America. They call it the Bobby Flu. They call it Stan Fever. They call it Cornititis. And you're looking at the doctors that are going to cure that disease. And somebody's career in the NWA could end tonight. And now let's go back to the ring. Dennis Condry left the NWA before this match. So this angle was basically scrapped after this match. And, just for good measure, this is a Loser Leaves Town match. Yep. Why do you call it a Loser Leaves Town match if you don't live in Chicago? It's really just Loser Leaves the Roster match. You're going to leave loser the town Loser Leaves anyway. the company. Yeah, but it's it was Loser Leaves Town. So Yes. The Midnight Express, the current Midnight Express, Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton are with Jim Cornette. Fans, we're here with Jim Cornette, the Midnight Express. The careers are on the line, Stan. Paulie Dangerously is throwing a monkey wrench in the works. Let's make no mistake about this, Bob Cottle. Tonight is the biggest night in the careers of the Midnight Express. Are we ready? We're ready, sir. Right. Paulie Dangerously, there is no limit to how low that you'll stoop to win a match, to put something over on somebody, to stab somebody in the back because you're nothing but a garbage mouth punk. We knew Dennis Condry. We trained for Dennis Condry. We were ready for Dennis Condry. So what do you do on the day of the biggest match of our careers with all of our careers on the line? You substitute Jack Victory. Say Dennis Condry's in the mountain, stuck in the snow. Dennis Condry's on vacation. Maybe Condry's scared to come and take the beating he knew he'd get, or maybe he's hiding in the building somewhere. But Jack Victory and Randy Rose Victory, bigger than Condry, stronger than Condry, and younger than Condry. But brother, there is no power on this earth. There is no force that you can stick in that ring that's going to drive the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette out of the NWA. We're ready for you. We've been underdogs before, and we've come out on top, and we're going to do it right now. We are going to stay in the NWA. Let's get to it, boy. All right, fans, the careers are on the line, and let's go to the ring. Cornette says, we trained for Condry, but it doesn't matter because we're going to win. This is a three-on-three match, so Cornette and Heyman can wrestle. I know you were dying to see what they can do in the ring. You are. You are going to be sorely, sorely shocked that you had to sit here and watch them both. Stan catches Randy Rose coming off the top turnbuckle and slams him and then clotheslines him out of the ring. Jack Victory and Bobby tag in. Cornette's Midnight Express triple team him with elbow drops. Bobby and Stan get the heat on Randy who accidentally gets hit by Heyman. So they have a little bit of dissension over in the original Midnight Express corner. Wonderful mullets in this match. That's the real story of the match. It's just all these men had amazing mullets. I mean, even Paul E. That's true. That's true. Paul E's was, was pretty 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 cool, but Bobby Eaton's is still probably as good, if not better, than Magnum TA's. Bobby Eaton is thrown into the guardrail off the ring apron by Randy. Heyman puts the boots to Bobby and tags Randy back in. Get back in there. I don't want any piece of this. Cornette, he wants Heyman. Heyman doesn't get in at first, so Randy slams Cornette and then tags in Heyman. Heyman gets the upper hand on Cornette with strikes. Heyman makes it back to tag in Randy, who quickly tags in Jack Victory, who does some ground and pound on Cornette. Randy tries a pile driver on Sweet Stan, but Stan powers out of it. Bobby and Jack Victory tag in. Bobby hits a missile drop kick. Victory tags in Heyman, and Bobby tags in Cornette, who gets to tee off on Heyman for a second. Rose misses a big splash on Stan Lane, and all six men just start to brawl. Double-team faceplant to Randy Rose by Cornette's Midnight Express, and Randy Rose gets pinned. He has to leave the NWA. Now, it's only the person that gets pinned. It's not the entire team. It's just whoever takes the fall. So the crowd was really hoping to see Polly Dangerously take the pinfall here. And 
what a disaster that would have been. We would have had no poly dangerously, you know. The dangerous alliance would have never come into existence, Patrick. Never would have happened without Polly. And so I got a question though. For it to be the original Midnight Express, don't you need the actual original member of the Midnight Express? Yes. But they'd probably already advertised this match. They probably had Randy Rose, you know, sign you know, he didn't leave. So we gotta work him in I mean to just drop this cold would have, I guess, they just couldn't do it. I mean, you know, Dennis Condry, I understand Randy Rhodes. Randy Rhodes needed to be Dennis Condry's tag partner. But Dennis Condry was actually the original member of the Midnight Express. Right. So He's missing, yeah. He's the key element of that team. I mean, why not just even make it a handicap match? Say that the Cornets Midnight Express took him out and they can't find him or something, you know, yeah. and just have it a handicap match. Yeah. Or, I mean, it didn't even have to be... You could have just had Cornette and uh, Randy Rose taking... Or not Cornette, but Heyman and Randy Rose taking on... Uh, Cornette and Bobby Eaton or yeah, Cornette and... just a singles match. Yeah. Cornette Maybe and Maybe for Lane. the spot in the midnight. Like, yeah. I don't know. You could have reworked this. Yeah, this made no sense. This was... Because, I mean, when you think of the Midnight Express, you got Stan Lane... Bart Gunn. <laughs> Bodacious Bart, right? Bobby Eaton. Bombastic. Bombastic Bob. Bodacious Bart. Oh, sorry. Bombastic Bart. Bombastic Bob. Which one is it? Bombastic Bob and Bodacious Bart. Yeah, that's who I think of. I don't know who he, I don't know who any of these guys were. I was just looking for Bob Holly the whole time. <laughs> you were looking for Bob's Bart Plug Holly. Yeah, and Bart Gunn. And Bart I was Gunn. looking for the real Midnight Express. They never showed up, though. But the original Midnight Express is Bobby Eaton, is uh, Dennis Condry, and... Uh, Stay in lane. And so, can't really have a Midnight Express versus Midnight Express without having one original member on each team. That just made no sense. So, there yeah. was no reason this match should have took place. Yeah. No, other than to just write Randy Rose out of the company, which yeah. you could have done a million other ways. So, yeah, very weird. There wasn't really much to the match, like uh, a few spots that Bobby had when he actually got to fly a little bit, when yeah. he got to do what he does best. Now that you've seen a few you know, matches of Bobby, now that you've had some time, what are your thoughts on the Midnight Express? Do you look at them the way I look at them now as a huge, unbelievable contribution to what tag team wrestling is all about? I didn't really enjoy a lot of Sweet Stan's karate stuff that he did a yeah. lot. He didn't do much of that in this match. Uh, but Bobby doing the off the turnbuckle stuff was way ahead of his time. Yeah, for a big man, for a you know, yeah, I say big man, but an average size wrestler to be doing a that. six foot three, six foot four, yeah. Like, and especially in the NWA when it was like you know they didn't even want people getting tossed over the top rope, you know. Yeah. So I thought he was always. And even I always thought he was in just the matches we watched because I never really watched any matches of his but before we started doing this podcast but yeah that stuff really impresses me and I think very underrated in that regard yeah I I, I said it could have broke out as a single star based on his in ring I mean yeah because like I mean 
Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, not very good on the microphone, but a very talented in-ring performer. And, I mean, Bobby Eaton could have been just as highly regarded in the ring had yeah. they let him do a singles run or whatever. Yeah, I I have said it time and time again. The greatest tag team wrestler of of all time is beautiful Bobby Eaton. I mean, second to none being Arn Anderson. And so... Yeah, just didn't get to showcase anything here. No. Bob Cottle is with the Nature Boy. Oh. He says, this is gut check time, and he's the best thing going today. Rick, you've faced many challenges in your career, but you're close to an outstanding one now. Rick Steamboat is in the Oh, don't get so excited, Bob Cottle. I have wrestled every great wrestler in the world today, and you know what the bottom line is? I'm here in Chicago tonight. Woo! Your world heavyweight champion. The very best there is. And Steamboat, <laughs> about an hour from now, pal, woo! when you walk that aisle and you see the golden stallion, woo! looking as only I can look. Pal, don't be ashamed of those butterflies because it's gut check time. You've got to go out there and beat the world champion. And pal, woo, the Lord knows there's only one, and that's me. And along with the greatest mind this sport has ever known, Steamboat, I'm guaranteeing the world another championship victory for the nature boy. Chicago's gonna be on fire because Ric Flair, woo, you heard it right. Like I've said so many times before, whether you like it <laughs> or you don't like it, learn to love it because, woo, Bob Cottle, it's the best thing going today. Steamboat, be it your best, pal. Woo! A very confident world's champion, fans. Now let's go back to the ring. Woo! The Varsity Club explode as Rick Steiner will take on Mike Rotunda for the coveted TV title. Smashing European uppercuts from Rotunda to Steiner to start the match. Then we go to Headlock City. Yeah. A place where this is the kind of mat-based wrestling I'm really not into. It's just chin locks, head locks, hammer locks, abdominal stretches, Steiner throws some big right hands from the ground. Rotunda hits a second rope crossbody, which Steiner rolls over, nearly gets a pinfall from it. Rick is out with Scott, by the way, who was just looking on. He did nothing in this match. Rotunda locks in an endless arm bar, which Steiner reverses into an endless headlock. Oh, boy. Steiner goes for a top rope splash and completely misses. A power slam from Rick Steiner gets a two count on Rotunda. Steiner puts Rotunda in a sleeper, but his shoulders were down, and he loses the match. Yes. This amateur wrestler was not aware of where his shoulders were at the time. Patrick Young, you gotta do better than that. It's crazy. So these two, you know, mat-based technicians, one of them didn't realize, oh, my shoulders are down. No, yeah. It's terrible. A terrible ending terrible. to the match. Terrible match in terrible general. Terrible match, terrible ending, terrible... Terrible match all the, the way. The first around. of two bullshit endings in a row. It's really weird how they stack this thing. <laughs> that is very true. That is very true. 
So yeah, the rest of the varsity club run in to congratulate Rotunda and rescue their buddy before Steiner can get his heat back here. Yeah. After looking like a damn fool getting stuck with your shoulders. You gotta know where your shoulders are at all times. In a wrestling match, your shoulders <laughs> being on the mat is not a good thing. Yes. In amateur or pro wrestling, everyone knows that. Yeah. Bob is with the Road Warriors now. They'll take on the Varsity Club for the NWA tag titles. So a lot of work from the Varsity Club tonight. Hawk and Animal do their typical shouty promo, plus Paul Ellering says something and hits a newspaper against his hand. <laughs> Just a matter of moments now. A tough challenge faces you in the Varsity Club. A tougher challenge for the Varsity Club. You see, Chicago today, tonight, is like the OK Corral at high noon. Lion Earp and the rest of the gang, except that they use bullets. We don't. Tell them why, animal. Because dead men can't feel pain. Kevin Sullivan, I guarantee all the people out there, and especially in our hometown of Chicago, no matter what it takes, we will get you up. And when 16,000 people are cheering for us to rip your head off, we're going to do it. We're tired of you. Get in our face. We're going to get rid of you once and for all. Tell him, Paul. You know, Bob, the cards are dealt. It's time to play out the hand. And the bottom line is, you got to go against this man, the animal. You got to go against the hawk. You're facing the best team in professional wrestling today. Let's go and take care of business the only way we know how, and that's to beat him up. Lex Luger. Oh, boy. Time Whoa. to turn it up. Chicago's own. Flexi Lexi. And Barry Wyndham are already in the ring. It's time for the U.S. title match. Wyndham is the defending champion. Luger no-sells a back suplex, which was he got up before Wyndham did. I mean, there's yeah. one thing to not sell it, but he beat him to his feet. And then Atomic drops Wyndham, gets a press slam on Wyndham. Luger, the hometown guy here, gets a big reaction. Plus, he is just juiced out of his... He is looking... Bursting at the seams. This crowd was like, this is a superhero we're seeing in the ring. <laughs> Luger nails Wyndham with a big lariat. A back body drop to Wyndham. A power slam to Wyndham. Luger misses a top rope shoulder tackle and goes tumbling to the outside. Wyndham then suplexes Lex back into the ring. Wyndham clotheslines Luger and he rolls out of the ring to recover. Wyndham misses a big right hand and smashes his claw into the ring post. Yeah. This would be the story of the match. As he somehow, I guess, bladed his wrist here to make it bleed inside his glove. He must have a shattered wrist. He must. I don't know how it started bleeding from... Bone stuck out. Bone stuck out. It's just pouring blood everywhere. He's he's literally (laughs) broken his hand. Strange to see color in 1989, really, I guess. Uh, I mean, actually, it's not, because we saw that Dusty and Flair always did color. Never mind. This is the NWA. I forget we watched Starcade 85 where everybody bled. Never mind. This is tame. This is PG-era blood for them. A little blood in a glove. The ref checks it, Patrick Young, but he determines it. It's okay. We can continue here. Wyndham puts the claw on Luger's head, that bionic claw that will... Like, I guess squish your head. What does yeah. it? What's the? What does it do, Patrick? Can you explain right, the, the claw, claw? The claw. When you put it on someone's forehead, your pinky and your thumb uh-huh. pushes against your uh, temples. Temples. Uh-huh. Creating pressure to where blood doesn't get to the 
get flow to the brain properly. Wow. Which then causes a man to pass out. Oh, wow. Just well, just like the mandible claw. Just like all the claws. The mandible claw, when you stick the two fingers in, it goes under the tongue. It presses against the nerve. I love you explaining the, it, the mandible claws. It was just two fingers being stuck in someone's mouth. It's more than that. No, it's way more than that. It is. It goes under the tongue. It presses against the jawbone, creating pressure on the jawbone, which holds your mouth and your jaw outward where you're having a hard time breathing and you pass out. Luger squeezes Wyndham's hand and Wyndham has to release the hold. That hand's not going to hold up. No. The ref wants to check on his hand, but Wyndham's like, no, get away. Luger won this belt in Chicago the last time he won the belt, so they're trying to reboot Lex Luger. One of many times he would... Many times reboot of Lex Luger. Wyndham looks for a superplex and gets it to a big pop from this crowd. That's it. It's over. An elbow, and Luger powers out of a superplex at two and a half. That's insane. Wyndham hits a bridging belly-to-back suplex on Luger. Tommy Young... Your Uncle Tommy here counts three. Apparently, now, apparently, Luger lifted a shoulder off the mat. This didn't cause a new count to start, though. No. He just kept the count going as both men's shoulders were down. And Wyndham apparently kept his shoulders down. And so Luger is awarded the U.S. title. A very weird finish when you're trying to get Luger over as this big star. That you do the Rick Steiner finish from one match earlier. Yes. Why would you book that? Who was in charge of that decision-making? And then, Patrick, what are the rules for two shoulders down on the mat? Wouldn't you stop counting? Both men's shoulders are down? Yeah. I count them both out. (laughs) But Okay, but what if one man lifts up his shoulders? Does that start a new count? No. Why not? It's a new pin. No. One man is still being pinned. I disagree with this logic. No, one man is still being pinned. If both shoulders are down, both men's shoulders are down, all four shoulders, I'm tapping both men. One, two, three. Now, if one man happens to get his shoulder up in time before the other man, then that man wins. He kicked out of the pin while the other one didn't. So what do you think of this match? A lot, and I do mean a <laughs> lot, of Barry Windham having to carry Lex Luger. Yeah, Barry Windham, the few moves he got in were awesome. Yeah. Looked great. He he literally was carrying. So great that he turned in his notice and went to go be the Widowmaker this same year. He was going to be yeah, gone in true. just a few months. And that's true. would show up on that episode of the Bobby Heenan show as yeah. we watched. Well, primetime wrestling. So, uh, yeah, very. Uh, this is not how you book a future star, a future big baby face, well, and Lex a future, Luger. Two, two future world heavyweight champions. Yeah, you can't have this kind of finish in, no. in a match that no one wants to see again. So, Wyndham is not very happy with this result, so he pile drives Luger's head on the U.S. title. And then, that's not enough, belt shots him with the belt. Uncle Tommy made the right call. Then he leaves because, well, his hand hurts. It's time to go to the back. Mike Rotunda is with Bob Cottle. 
And he says, you're looking at the new world heavy, I mean, world television champion. This is, ladies and gentlemen, why Mike Rotunda was never given a prominent speaking role in the NWA. Mike Rotunda right here, the man that many call the world's greatest television champion, and says the belt has come home. Not only good tonight, Mike, but also very lucky. Yeah, I would expect something like that from you, but I'm going to tell you what. Right here, you're looking at the new world's heavyweight world TV champion, my friends. And Steiner, I had it planned all along because 10 years down the road, Steiner, nobody cares how it's done. They just want to know who the champion was. And on this night, Steiner, I got my belt back that you stole from me. And you better stay out of my face, Steiner, because the party's over for you. The world television title stays around my waist for as long as I want it to, Steiner. And that's going to be a long, long time, my friend. The world television champion, Mike Rotunda fans. Now back to Jim Ross. Yes. He says, stay out of my face, Steiner. Wonderful. JR and Magnum TA recap the night so far. Then the Road Warriors and the Varsity Club. Kevin Sullivan and Dr. Death Steve Williams are in the ring. It's time for the NWA Tag Team title match. Story of this match is Animal and Hawk no-selling. Here, Here's my question. The Varsity Club was built around athletes. Steve Williams, yes. Steiners, yes. You know, I, I get, you know, Mike Rotunda, yes. <laughs> it's... That Kevin did, Sullivan how fellow. How did Kevin Sullivan become the leader of the varsity club? Yeah, JR tries to cover for him, saying, no, he was a high school state wrestling champion. Okay. That doesn't cut it. No. You have to keep going after that. Well, you can't say, oh, well, he wrestled once in middle school. Yeah, that, that, makes, that makes no sense. I couldn't. Probably because he was the best speaker of this. You needed a you needed a guy that could talk. Out of all these guys, who's going to talk for you? That's true. And I mean, we just saw Mike Rotunda just proclaim himself the world champion. So, well, I mean, and you did see during Steiner and Rotunda's match, you had Kevin Sullivan come out and tell Rick Steiner, you know, you sure do have a pretty dog back there in the locker room. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that was Rick Steiner's gimmick with uh, Alex, his imaginary talking hand yeah. gimmick. Yeah. That's going to it's gonna make some money. It's going to put some butts in those seats. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. But you know what? If I had a team with anybody, I'd feel pretty safe if I was teaming up with Dr. Death Steve Williams. Yeah, this guy looked great in this match. Uh, Except he's going up against the Road Warriors, who, like I said, just want to no-sell everything. Yeah. Animal no-sells a clothesline from Sullivan. Animal no-sells Dr. Death's shoulder tackles. (laughs) And the crowd... But this does work, because it does get you over. Yeah. Because it makes you look mega strong. And they're in Chicago there, you know. Kayfabe hometown. Hometown boys. And the crowd just mark out to them no selling. They love it. Don't sell shit. Never sell anything. The Undertaker taught us that, too. Power slam to Dr. Death, and then Hawk tags in. Hawk clotheslines Dr. Death and tags in Animal. Hawk clotheslines Dr. Death from behind. Ouch. It didn't look like he was expecting it. Sullivan and Dr. Death then double-team Animal, but Hawk interjects, allowing the Varsity Club to throw Animal out of the ring, and Sullivan smacks him with a chair. Not sure where the ref was during that. Animal finally sells a single leg drop kick from Dr. Death. Ladies and gentlemen, Animal takes one bump. 
so far. <laughs> Williams tags Sullivan in, and the Varsity Club try to keep Animal away from Hawk and succeed for a while. Dr. Death slams Animal, bump number two, and then poses, getting a little pose in there. Dr. Death hits a shitty second rope axe handle to Animal's arm. Hawk gets the hot tag, power slam to Sullivan, clothesline to Williams, shoulder tackle to Sullivan, and then Animal and Sullivan are now the legal men in the ring. Hawk and Williams are brawling on the outside. Animal says, you know what, let's do the doomsday device. But he gets hit by Dr. Death in the back, so Hawk flies in and hits a diving clothesline to Sullivan. So both illegal men, Hawk and Williams, cover the legal men in the middle of the ring, and the ref counts to three. Teddy Long fucks this up and gives the belts back to the Road Warriors. Three shitty finishes back to back. Yes. You have to pay attention to the legal man. It's not hard to do. It's it's a pretty bad screw up there. You can't uh, can't always have that happen. A lot of uh, ref errors tonight. You guys yeah. would get a talking to in the back. Yeah. Or not errors, but just mistakes. Weird, weird things going on tonight. I'm not sure this wrestling thing's quite on the level. No. I think there could be something going on here. Do you know? That's just what the impression that I get. And somehow, I don't know how the Road Warriors ended up being declared the winners when Dr. Death covered a guy, too. Yeah, I don't... Who didn't kick out. So what'd you think of this match, Patrick? (sighs) (laughs) We're on a roll. Four great athletes, trendsetters of their time. Oh, Road Warriors always won. Probably the most over-tag team ever. Kevin Sullivan trendsetter of his time Taskmaster and the the you know Charles Manson stuff and but uh, to mix all four of these together it was very bad yeah I agree uh, not not what I expected out of this group of performers and just think that was your semi main event Lex Luger is with Bob in the back and he's hilariously bandaged up somehow Somehow he has a head wound, which he didn't have in the match. I'm not sure exactly what happened. But he looks like he's been in a car accident. Yes. And his mic doesn't work well, but he says he's happy. He says his bandages aren't much of a price to pay for having this U.S. title. It was all worth it. That's right. The new United States champion, Lex Luger. But Lex, there was a war out there. Bob Cottle, that was without a doubt one of the most physical matches with. Barry Wynn has been a tremendous champion, whether you like him or not. They say I need a few stitches. I got a jammed neck. I hear Barry Wyndham has possibly shattered his wrist. That speaks for itself on what was going on out there. But I have to say, a few stitches and a jammed neck is not a heavy price to pay for something like this. It means so much to me. I hope it means a lot to all the fans out there. <clears throat> have given me all the support and believed me all this time and knew that I could be a champion and showed me the way. And now I finally have faith in myself. And I just can't tell you how much this means to me, Bob. Again, congratulations, Lex. Now back to Jim Ross. Magnum tells JR that he thinks Ricky Steamboat will win this match tonight, the main event, coming up next. This match came about from a tag match on WCW Saturday night where... Ricky the Dragon Steamboat defeated Ric Flair after a top turnbuckle crossbody and Steamboat snatched the victory away. Pinned the champ in a tag match. Flair, 
At Clash of the Champions, just on Wednesday, why don't you go home to the missus with the dishes? And I'm going out with the ladies. Ric Flair making fun of the family man. That's right. Girls, I want you to take one last look at what a loser looks like. Why don't you go home and help the missus with the dishes, pal? I'm going downtown. Well, right there was all that Ricky Steamboat could stand. Steamboat did not take this very well. And he ripped up the $1,500 suit. What an asshole. Ric Flair had this thing custom fitted, custom made from head to toe. Just for him. And Ricky Steamboat came in there and tore it off. Flair eventually fires up on Steamboat, chops the shit out of him in this ripped up suit. Not very pleased with the tearing up of the suit. Steamboat snapmares him, takes his pants off. So now Ric Flair had to fight in his underwear. One of many times. <laughs> he loved showing his ass. This man loved getting that ass out. Matt Suda came in and assisted Flair to get the final upper hand at the Clash of the Champions. So that is your setting the stage for this, this big main event title match. Accompanied by Matt Suda... The NWA World Champion, Ric Flair, comes out to the ring. And guess who's already in the ring? Ricky Steamboat, because they cut his entrance. They did. The ref holds the rope for the champ, because that's the way the champ gets treated. Only here in his fifth title reign. Can you believe it? Just, I mean, that is crazy. I would have thought he had it like eight or nine times by now. He probably did, after some house shows that didn't count, and dusty finishes, and stuff like that. Some Puerto Rico trips. Yeah. Flair is given a bouquet of roses, but he hands it back to the crowd. Go give that to the ladies. Flair is rocking Big Goldie, not the old NWA title belt. Big Goldie has made its appearance here on the Retro Wrestling Podcast, and it looks beautiful. It is just, I think it's the best looking title belt ever. I know you're partial to that other NWA belt, but I love Big Goldie, man. There are title belts that are transcendent of time the uh the nwa world heavyweight title comes to mind the uh winged eagle comes to mind yeah my only problem with the winged eagle is i thought it looked kind of small on bigger guys yeah. it looked great on like brett and sean you know but kind of looks small on hogan yeah but other than that i love that belt and and big goldie and i feel like It'd be nice if they would bring that back. I hate the current title belts in the WWE. I think they are hideous. SmackDown needs to have, like, the Winged Eagle and Raw have Big Oldie. We had talked about logos a couple shows back. Titles are a lot like logos. You can't create a history and a lineage behind it if you keep changing it every two or three years. It also... uh yeah, it gets confusing, too. Yeah. When you go back and watch a match and this guy's got this belt, but then on two pay-per-views later, he's got a different belt or whatever. Yeah. Now, where where would you rank like the spinner belt? Do you oh, think the spinner belt is better than the that's, current belt? That's low down, low, low down there. A belt should never be able to spin. <laughs> Period. Yeah, it shouldn't be its own gimmick where it does something. No. There's a lot of great action in this match, so I did a lot of I did a lot more play-by-play for this match as there was a lot more action than headlocks taking place in this match. This match was very intense. So Steamboat 
Starts the match by shoulder tackling Flair and immediately covers for a two count. Steamboat locks in a headlock and flips out of a back suplex attempt by Flair and then rolls him up for two. Flair has to regroup outside. Whoa, this guy's coming at me really fast. I gotta slow down here. Slow the pace down. Take it easy. Catch your breath. Get your plan and your thoughts, your game plans, back in order. Flair delivers a nasty, sick-sounding chop to Steamboat. Before Steamboat, then lights Flair up with chops, but they don't sound nearly as good. And then back body drops him. Flair grabs Steamboat by the hair and chops him again. Steamboat chops Flair right out of his feet. He falls, he takes a bump from chops from Steamboat. Putting Steamboat over big time here. A side headlock into a hammerlock on Steamboat from Flair. Then Steamboat drop toe holds Flair, who shoots him into the ropes, but gets a drop kick for a receipt from Steamboat, puts him in a side headlock, and then covers and gets a near fall to ooze from the crowd as they couldn't believe that Flair almost lost in a side headlock, which they saw earlier in the night. Yeah. Flair reverses the weight of the side headlock for a couple of near falls himself. So this is how I like rest holds to be applied, where people are still, there's still action. There's still logic behind it. Like, I hate now today in WWE when someone gets put in a chin lock. They just sit there for a while. They eventually slowly make it to their feet. There's no explanation for how they did it or why the guy got tired. or It's just done for no reason. There's like When when Flair is in this side headlock, he's trying to work out of it. He's not yeah. just sitting there just taking a rest. He, it's time to keep, keep working a little bit or look like you're working. Yeah. And so I really appreciated that from these two guys in this match. Steamboat... Still with the side headlock applied, walks up the turnbuckle with this headlock on, but Rick rolls him into a cover again. And now the crowd is 50-50, Steamboat and Flair. They don't know who to cheer for here. Big chop exchange with Steamboat, and Steamboat delivers a giant two-handed chop that JR goes absolutely nuts for. Like, this judo two-handed chop was phenomenal looking. Yeah. Just from a chop. I, I mean, I know chops are just... No any strikes, but this was awesome. It gets a two count. Flair has to go outside again to regroup. Whoa. This guy is really coming at me today. I didn't know I'd have to do all this work. Steamboat goes back to the side headlock, and Flair takes him to a corner and chops him. Steamboat leg drops Flair, chops him, and he goes flailing out of the ring. Steamboat teases... A top rope crossbody to the outside. He gets up on the ropes and the crowd comes to their feet because they're like, holy shit, this will be awesome. Yeah. But he doesn't do it. No. If he had done it, though, it would have been like Snooka coming off the cage. It would have been like one of those really, really, I mean, like, I I love that he teased it, though. Like, that that was smart. Ric Flair gets back in the ring, yells to Steamboat, if you got any guts, you'll meet me in the center of this ring. Steamboat engages and gets chopped again. Flair gets hip-tossed and head-scissored, then drop-kicked, and right back into that side headlock, side headlock and a pin for two. Flair chops and elbows to the head of Steamboat. Steamboat chops back, shoulder-tackles Flair, gets elbowed to the face, and then chops and strikes Flair right back out of the ring again. Steamboat teases another dive to the outside of the ring, but doesn't do it. Flair snatches Steamboat's legs. If you're not going to come out here, I'm going to bring you to me, buddy. 
and brings Steamboat to the outside, rakes his eyes across the guardrail, the dirtiest player in the game, and chops him, because that's what he does. Flair goes in the ring and elbows Steamboat. Flair does his running knee drop, beautiful, on Steamboat for a two count. Double underhook suplex. I didn't know Flair could do such a thing. <laughs> to Ricky Steamboat gets a two count. Another giant chop exchange between them. Then Flair flipped to the outside. Flair lands a fl- lands a flying crossbody. Lands it, but Steamboat rolls with it, rolls into a pin a pinfall. One, two, and a kick out. Yeah, I I was shocked. At first I was like, <laughs> he landed one of these yeah, things yeah. before his retirement match, but no. Yeah. Close. That close. Missed it by that much. Then we get an inverted atomic drop to Steamboat. And right into the figure four. Wastes no time. Flair puts him right into the figure four and uses a little leverage from the ropes as well. Just a little. Steamboat chants break out as he's trapped in the figure four. Flair keeps him in this figure four for a long time. Agonizing. But, like I said before, like the headlocks and the chin locks and all that stuff, it's not wasted motion because Flair will use the ropes as leverage. Steamboat will do the baby face like pounding on the mat. The fans are chanting Steamboat. They're going nuts for a but, figure four. But Steamboat, trying to get pumped up, starts slapping his hand on the mat. Oh, repeated, Repeatedly, repeatedly tapping his hand on the mat over and over again. If I was refereeing that match, ding, 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 that's the bell. Wow. The course of history would have been changed. Yeah. I would have said he tapped out. Well, I'm glad you weren't refing this match. (laughs) Though they needed a second ref later on, it would turn out. Tommy Young finally sees Flair cheating, and the hold is broken. Flair struts just a little bit. He's not too confident. And then decides, you know what, I'll just put the boots to Steamboat. They start brawling and chopping back and forth once again. Flair hits a high cross, a running high cross, and both men go flying out of the ring. Flair sends Steamboat into the post. JR just mega sells NWA. This is where we wrestle here. We wrestle here. We don't... This is the only place you'll see wrestling. Like, just goes into mega sell mode. Like, this this pay-per-view, I will say, JR, man, was on its game. Oh, like, yeah. This, this is, he was phenomenal. This yeah. made it feel like a real... like. I don't want to knock it as like a fake sport, but this made it feel like a big-time sporting event, like a boxing yeah. match call, not like Vince McMahon, what a maneuver! <laughs> what do you call that? Yeah. <laughs> Flair hits a... How much does this guy weigh? <laughs> How much does that guy weigh, you think? <laughs> Flair hits a delayed vertical suplex to bring Steamboat back in the ring for a two-and-a-half count. Flair gets in it with Tommy Young. I don't like the way you count. So Flair not happy with Tommy Young's counting. Then Flair does a dirty pin on Steamboat with his legs way up on the ropes. Steamboat can just barely get a shoulder up. But he still does. Steamboat does an inside cradle for a two count. Then Dragon misses a second rope cross on Flair. Steamboat bridges out of a cover attempt and hits a double underhook suplex to Flair. But Flair gets a foot on the rope. Steamboat and Flair fight for a backslide, which even this looked intense, fighting over who can get a backslide. Steamboat gets it, but gets a two count. Steamboat throws a big clothesline and connects with Flair. A judo chop 
to a down flare. Then Steamboat goes upstairs and hits a big judo chop. The crowd is on their feet as he goes up again and hits the high cross on both Flair and Tommy Young. Uh-oh. Nobody can count. Flair gets the tights and pins Steamboat, but Tommy Young is still out. He's no Patrick Young. He's no. Tommy Young. Teddy Long, holla holla, comes out to check on Tommy Young. Flair thinks he dumped Steamboat out of the ring, but Steamboat skins the cat, then comes in, tries a sneaky crossbody, but misses. Flair goes for the figure four immediately, and Steamboat inside cradles him, just as we saw Sting do. This very same finish just a a year later. And gets the win. Teddy Long makes the count, and Steamboat gets the NWA title. In a shocker. Yeah. This man has dethroned the quintessential NWA champion here in what I thought was just a phenomenal match. I This made up for a lot of what we saw in the undercard of this match. Just Yeah, I don't know if it made up completely. <laughs> <laughs> it's but, definitely no. worth checking out. Oh, this match is this match is regarded as one of the top five greatest matches of all time. Yeah, and they would have two more matches after this. This was the first in the trilogy. Yes. They would meet on uh, Clash of the Champions and then on another pay-per-view where it would be the third and final deciding match. But, man, Ricky Steamboat was excellent in the ring. Yeah. Always underutilized, this guy. Yes. Mainly probably because of his mic work, but... uh. Way before his time, way ahead of his time. If he had been in the late 90s, like, if he had been wrestling Shawn Michaels in, like, 96 and 97, like, at the same age or whatever, like, man, that that just, like, that would have been awesome. That just, it's, he was just in the wrong era. Completely in the wrong era. But even with a guy like Ric Flair, like, Ric Flair still, I mean, it still worked out great here. I mean. And just think, you're coming off the hills of... For him, two years earlier, he he's wrestling Savage at WrestleMania three. Yeah, tearing the house down. Yeah, and so he he not only proved himself in one company, he proved himself in in another as well. And did it with the gimmick of the Family Man, which is why he got fired from the WWF the first time anyway, uh, because he wanted his son was just born and he wanted some time off, and Vince told him no. Yeah. So not only is this a slap in the face of Vince as now he's our guy, yeah. but he's also the family man. He's also exactly why you fired him. Like he yeah. didn't he didn't change he was always a baby face. He never went he never had a heel run. Richard Blood, which really missed out on a run as Dick Blood, Ricky Steamboat here. Uh just really showing off. Uh just an amazing amazing performance from him and Flair. I don't want to let yeah, I don't want to overshadow Flair. I mean, what Flair did for him in this match. Yeah, no. No, he made him look great. Well, Flair says he's his greatest opponent. Yeah, that says a lot. That, that, you because think Flair's many, wrestled everybody. Yeah, you think of how many people Flair's wrestled, and he says Rick, Ricky Steamboat is his greatest opponent. And even when Ricky Steamboat came back, you know, for that match against Jericho or whatever, like, he was still good. Oh, yeah, he hadn't been in the ring in 10 years or more, and he's... He, Puts his trunks on or his tights. Does that out deep there. arm drag? No problem. Oh man! First of all, there's not a single other wrestler in the entire world that can throw a, a deep arm drag better than Ricky Steamboat. 
it's unbelievable how he how he throws it. But yeah, he's Ricky Steamboat's timeless. Ricky Steamboat can I guarantee you in twenty years could throw on his tights, go back in there and tear the house down. So Yeah, just excellent. Excellent. I uh, can't say enough about it really. But I, d- I can because we're moving on. JR and Magnum TA recap the card and then Bob is backstage with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Want to know why this guy didn't, you know, have staying power? Like I said, it's his promos because the faces want to throw him a party. The champagne, you know, big celebration in the back. He just won the championship. They want to give him the champagne shower for his big win. Well, he gets champagne right in his eyes and then stumbles through his promo probably even worse than he was going to already. Like... I must have burnt his eyes because he was like really reeling from this champagne. Yeah. yeah. And then just to be a dick, what's funny is he's about to finish his promo. The boys come in and spray him with more champagne and Brian Pillman gets like right in his face with more champagne right to his eyes and fuck up any chance he had of salvaging this promo. And it's just yeah. like, and uh, yeah, uh, Ric Flair, you'll get a rematch. All right. Good to know. You know, you know, right, right now, it's hard for me to believe what, what's, what I'm holding in my hands after all these years, and I don't know how many here comes the boys with the champagne. And I, I don't know how many. Never had a champagne band. Never, never. Let's have that speech now, huh? You're not speechless now, are you, Rick? You know something, Bob? I just, I just really don't know what to say. I've had a lot of encouragement from a lot of the guys and a lot of encouragement from a lot of the wrestling fans. And I think that people out there that were trying to call this match are really totally shocked. I, I'm, I'm shocked, and I just hope that we can put the number NWA right back up there where it belongs as number one and 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 represent this this championship belt as, as a champion for the people and 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 for the guys that, that have backed me over the years Rick. if anybody can do it Rick Steamboat can fans again congratulations to this man the new world heavyweight champion like to hear you. Rick Steamboat. you know something I've got to I've got to tip my hat to, to Rick Flair you did it, brother. You did it, Ricky. I got to tip my hat to Ric Flair being a, a great world champion. And I just wanted to tell him that I'm not going to be a closet champion, that as soon as we get the papers drawn, that he's going to be the first man to have a title shot back for, for this championship uh, belt. All right, Rick. And now let's go back to Jim Ross. JR and Magnum say goodbye. Credits rolling. We're gone. We're gone. The Chi Town Rumble. Well, Patrick, what did you think of this card overall? Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Long matches. Long matches don't always make for great television. No, let's just recap real quick. We're going to recap while the credits roll. Um, first match, the Russian Assassin, Michael Hayes. I love Michael, but terrible match. Went too long. Horrible. Sting, Butch Reed, they let me down bad. They let me down really bad. Midnight Express, 
versus the <laughs> Midnight Express. People. Bodacious part. You're, you're losing. You, you don't even have the key element of this match. So why is this happening? Why is it happening? Steiner Rotunda. Terrible, terrible match. Barry Wyndham Luger. I thought that was okay. It was good. It was good. It was quick, at least. It yeah. was like about ten minutes. Road Warriors versus uh, Varsity Club. Um, you can find better Road Warriors matches out there. Yeah. Especially with the finish. The finish ruins the match for me, really. And then you get to where you have Ric Flair's, one of Ric Flair's greatest matches of all time. And oh, yeah. And so, I mean, other than I, you could probably check out Barry Windham U.S. title match. You could probably, for nostalgia purposes, you can check out Sting Butch Reed. Uh, I hate to say it, man, but you got to skip over Midnight Express. They let me down this this go Oh, wow. That takes a lot for you to say. They, they let me down this go around. You're starting to see the light. You're starting to be critical, even of your favorite guys. They Bobby Bobby did his part, but yeah. but Stan Lane and, and Jim... Cornette is a wrestler, yeah. Man, they let me down bad. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was overall, it was an okay pay-per-view. One that you definitely need to watch. I agree. I think you need to watch the main event. I yeah. don't really think you need to watch the rest of it. And it makes it difficult to rate, though, because it's so top-heavy with this main event. Yeah. Because this main event is so far and away. For once, this NWA, WCW, you know, actually stacked their card correctly and put the best for last. And, you know... So it's really and but it's so far and away the the best thing on the show and one of the best ever ever yeah matches that they had that it makes it hard to like come up with a decent like synopsis of why you should watch this pay per view because I really from top to bottom you shouldn't I don't think I think well you this should match skip. right here is the reason Triple H says he got into wrestling yeah well I mean, well that. He's, Maybe we shouldn't rate it so high then. So I mean, I'm just kidding. Uh, so Patrick, overall on our rating scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, where do you put Chi Town Rumble '89? I say Chi Town Rumble '89. They never did it again. No. So this is the first and only. Um, I'm gonna have to give it a Ricky Steamboat. That's very good. That's for once we're going to be in agreement. I'm going to concur and. You're going to give it the same rating, a Ricky Steamboat on the scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez. As uh, the main event stands out, but the rest of the card uh, should be flushed down the toilet. Russian Invader number one or whatever. Russian Assassin. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Russian Invader. So anyway. Uh, Yeah. That was our pick this week. That was my pick. Now it's your pick for next week. Where are we going next week, Patrick? So we saw Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair won. We're going to skip over Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair 2, and we're going to go about six months into the future, and we are going to see Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat 3. We're going to go to Wrestle War, NWA Wrestle War 1989, to see what... This great 
rivalry of Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair. We're going to see the culmination. We're going well, to see the ending. So six months into the future, we're going to see it. You, you saw it start. We're going to see the finish. Yeah. Now, L- live from Nashville, Tennessee. Now, the spoiler alert on the second match is that it ended in a time limit draw. Exactly. So it kept you wanting to see more. A 60-minute, I think, time it limit It was a 60-minute. So, yes, this will be the conclusion. It was what? Wrestle War 89? Wrestle War 89. All right. We'll see what Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair... How can they top this? Can they top it? Or will it just be sort of the same? That's true. We'll just have to find out. Even though it happened in 1989. We're going to find out in 2017 what happened That's true. way back then. Yeah. As always, you can get all the episodes... By going to RetroWrestlingPodcast.com, Retro Wrestling Podcast on Facebook. Where can they find you, Patrick Young? I am the one and only Patrick Young. I am uh, Patrick Young or Patrick Young Wrestling on Facebook. Or you can always shoot our website a message. And I'm sure one of the two of us will direct you to my personal page if need be. All right. Well, That'll do it for this week. I'm Intern Alex. I'm the one and only the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my closing lines of clothesline. Bingo, bingo.